For the last several weeks now, we've been looking at the subject of identity and seeing what our identity is as found in the Bible. Uh, too many of us, even Christians, especially Christians, we try to find our identity in, in what we are or who we are or what we do. Our identity is tied up in our family. We're a mother, we're a father, we're a husband or a wife, and that's what our identity is. Or we're an employee, and so we, we have this job title. We're an engineer or, or a pastor or all these other things. And so that is our identity. And we, we, we base our identity on what the world says about us, what our friends say about us. And when we do that, we end up wandering in our walk with God and we end up living unfulfilled, joyless lives. The only way to have a true fulfillment, true joy, true peace is only found in living in the identities that God has given you through his word. And we've seen that God has a lot of things to say about who we are because of our relationship with him. God says that we are his child. We are adopted into the family of God. God willingly and freely chose us to be adopted into his family, to become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We, we found that we are his priests. We have the ability to come into the very presence of God, something that, that only a few people in the Old Testament had the right to do and the privilege to do one time a year. We have the privilege and the honor to do any time we want to as we are his priest. We saw that we are his bride. We are his servant. We are his friend. And we are a stranger in this world. This morning we're going to finish up this study and we're going to see that we are his ambassador. Now here's the definition of the word ambassador. An ambassador is a diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by a government to represent it on a temporary mission. Now, typically, when a preacher starts talking about being an ambassador, we automatically go to, ah, oh, he's going to start talking about soul winning. He's going to start talking about witnessing. He's going to start talking about sharing our faith. Well, I want you to know you're, you're right. That's part of it. But that's not all that an ambassador does. That's a portion of what we are to do. But it's really how we do that that we want to focus on this morning. Being an ambassador has more to do with who you are than what you do. When you realize who you are as an ambassador, how you approach people changes. When you realize who you are as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, how you approach life changes. God views you as his ambassador. And the Apostle Paul, he uses this language, this description, this identity when he's writing a letter to the church at Corinth. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse number 14, the Bible says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which, should, which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto, them, unto him which died for them, 
and rose again. So Paul's, he's starting off, he's going, hey, you know, we, we understand that Jesus Christ, he died for everyone. He died, he was buried, he rose again on the third day to redeem all of mankind to God the Father. Now, he's done all the work that ever needs to be done for everyone to be saved we just have to accept that gift of salvation. But he's saying, since he died for us and rose for us and we've accepted him as our Savior, the least we can do, the least that's expected of us is to live for him. He continues in verse 16. Wherefore, henceforth, no, no, we know man that after, after the flesh, yea, that we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. He's talking about we don't have the Jesus in his body anymore. Therefore... If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing those trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So what Paul is saying here, some of, some of the most, most famous or popular verses in Scripture, some beautiful language, he is saying Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, has reconciled us to God the Father. He did what we could never do. The, the entire Old Testament was pointing towards Christ. And if you study the Old Testament, especially the Levitical law, they had all kinds of laws they had to follow, sacrifice they had to do. But those sacrifices and those laws and those rites that they obeyed and the calendar, the Passover and all the, 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 the festivals they had, they were showing that man is unable to do what needs to be done to reconcile us to God the Father. Because every year as a, a Jewish family, you would take your lamb a perfect lamb, a spotless lamb, as perfect as you could find it, you would take it to the, to the tabernacle or to the temple and you would take it inside there and the priest would say a prayer over it and you, you as the father would lay your hands on this lamb and you would, you would basically transfer the punishment of your sin for the past year to that lamb. Then the lamb's throat would be cut, the blood would be spilled and the priest would take that blood and go into the mercy seat and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. And by doing that, God would forgive your sins for a year. But you had to do it every single year. The lamb never took away your sin. The lamb never reconciled you to God. The lamb was a picture of what Jesus Christ would come and do one day. Because remember when Jesus came and John the Baptist was baptizing and saw Jesus coming to be baptized, he says, Behold, the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, we are reconciled to God the Father. We, we were enemies to God, but now we are adopted into his family. And so being an ambassador is, is reconciling those to God. As we have been reconciled to God, he says our ministry and our message is one of reconciliation. Our job as an ambassador of Christ 
Our message as an ambassador of Christ is to go out into the world and to everyone we see, everyone we meet, everyone we come in contact with, we are to, to, to live in such a way and to preach in such a way and to talk to them in such a way that we can show them their need to be reconciled to God the Father as well. God chooses to use you to bring people to himself. In fact, God makes his appeal through you. God doesn't come to people at night in a dream and say, you better get saved or you're going to burn in hell. And they wake up and say, oh, I had a dream from God. No, no, no. He uses you to show people their need for salvation. He uses you to show people that, that they are enemies to God, condemned and under sin and under death, and if they accept his death, burial, and resurrection as payment for their sin, they can be reconciled to God as well. You are an ambassador. An ambassador is a high-ranking dignitary with major honor and responsibility. An ambassador represents his king and country in a, different, in a specific culture for a specific period of time. And Paul says, you are Christ's ambassador. You belong to a different world. Remember, we saw this last week. You don't belong in this world. Your citizenship isn't in this world. I know, you're, you know you've got your citizenship papers and you, you're a citizen of a country and you pay taxes here and, and we have things to do here and so we have responsibilities here. But you're not a citizen of this world. You are a citizen of God's kingdom. And God, as your king, has given you the honor of being his ambassador. So what does our identity as an ambassador mean for us? What does it mean as an ambassador and a member of God's kingdom? What are we supposed to do? Well, first of all, we are to, number one, I didn't skip through that. We are to represent Christ. As an ambassador, your mission is to represent Jesus. You stand for his kingdom while living in this kingdom. Now, again, we're talking about evangelism. We're talking about, about being a representative and telling, trying to reconcile people to God. And so your, our mind automatically goes to, to, to evangelism and going out and knocking on doors. And can I, if I ask you a question, if you died today, you know, 100% sorry be the Lord in heaven. You got some doubt about it. And that's part of it. We are to be aggressive. And, and when the Holy Spirit lays people on the heart to go ask them and confront them. But most of what we do as an ambassador is we represent Christ with how we live. We represent Christ by how we treat people. We represent Christ by what we do with our families. You speak for God. God chooses you to love people on his behalf. God chooses you to show mercy and grace on his behalf. God chooses you to show compassion to those who need it on his behalf. You stand for truth and justice as his representative. God has given you a mission. You know, just as Jesus was sent by God to complete a mission while he was on earth, Jesus left and he gave the mission to us as well. John 20, 21. Then Jesus to them again, then said Jesus to them, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, so send I you. 
God sent the Son to work, reconcile mankind to God the Father. And Jesus says, hey, he sent me to do the work of reconciliation. I am sending you to give the message of reconciliation. To tell people the work's been done, the, the price has been paid, it is finished, and all they have to do is accept Christ as their Savior. You have a mission that you are performing 24 hours a day. Your entire life is a mission trip. Your entire life is to be lived on mission for God as an ambassador. Every moment you are an ambassador and your mission is the most important mission ever given. Your mission is a matter of eternity and your assignment is to represent Christ. In his final words on earth, Jesus gives us our assignment. He's been crucified over in Acts chapter 1. He's been crucified. He was in the grave for three days. He, he rose again triumphantly, conquering sin and death in the grave and reconciling us to God the Father. And then he stayed for 40 days after he'd been crucified and risen from the dead. And he spent 40 days with his, his disciples and his apostles teaching them and preparing them for the assignment to come. And then he ascends to heaven and he's living, he's leaving, and he wants to be sure his disciples understand the assignment he is leaving with them. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? See, the apostles and disciples, they were waiting for Jesus to set up his kingdom. He came as the Messiah, and they were expecting him to do it then, but then he didn't do it. He died, and he was buried and rose again. And so they're like, okay, Jesus, you've, you've done the work of reconciliation. You've, you've come, you've died, you've, you were buried, you rose again, and now you've been here 40 days. Now are you going to set up your earthly kingdom? Now are you going to destroy the Roman Empire and, and put up your kingdom and let us rule and reign with you for a thousand years? Look at verse 7, and he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The disciples were asking when Jesus was going to set up his earthly kingdom. They want to talk about the end times about when it's all going to be done, when the suffering's over, when all this pain is over, when are you going to set up your kingdom? And Jesus tells them they shouldn't get up caught up in the times and dates. Instead, he gives them a mission to focus on. He says, you will be my witnesses. Notice he doesn't say you might be my witnesses. Doesn't say you can choose to be my witnesses. Doesn't say if you feel like it, you can be my witnesses. Doesn't say after you go to Bible college and get a degree, then you can be my witnesses. No, no, he says you will be my witnesses. The moment you received the Holy Spirit at salvation, you became his witness. When you became a Christian, you became his ambassador. But here's the thing. They don't, they're not, we're not his witness in our own power. We're not his ambassador in our own power. We are his ambassador. We are his witnesses through the power of the Holy Spirit that was given to us. The word power in Acts chapter 1-8 when he says, but you shall receive power, is the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. It's explosive power. You have dynamite power from the Holy Spirit inside of you to help you live out your identity as an ambassador 
of Jesus Christ. And Jesus ties the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us to being his witness. One reason he gave the Holy Spirit was to help us live out the mission of being an ambassador. Yes, the Holy Spirit was given to guide us in all truth. Yes, the Holy Spirit was given to convict us and help us know right from wrong. But one reason God gave us, the main reason God gave us the Holy Spirit power was to help us live out our mission as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Jesus tells his disciples that they will be witnesses first for him in Jerusalem. That's where they lived. That's where they ate. That's where they worked. That's where they went to school. That's where they went to the gym. It's where they played. You represent Christ first and foremost where you live. In your neighborhood. In the workplace. In your community. In the grocery store. In the restaurant. Where you live and do life is where you represent Christ. In his sovereignty, God placed you in the house you live in. In his sovereignty, God placed you where he needed you to be to be his ambassador. You know, when you, go, you buy a house, you always go house shopping. Me and April, six years ago when we bought our house, man, we, we looked at all kinds of houses. <laughs> and some of them were pretty rough. We looked at some really nice houses that looked real good on the inside, and uh, I remember one day we went to a house, and it was a real nice neighborhood, real pretty house, real pretty yard. We walk inside, and it was raining. We walk inside, and it's raining just as hard inside as outside. We're like, huh, this is a little bit of a fixer-upper, ain't it? Now we know why it's priced so low. And so we saw a lot of houses. And then we found the house we're in now, got a great deal on it. And just, man, we just like, man, this is, it worked out great. And, you know, people say, oh, wow, did you buy this house? Oh, because I got a great deal. No, 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 we bought that house because that's where God wanted us to be. Because he wanted us to represent Christ in that neighborhood. He wanted us to be his ambassador. And the people that live next to us, even the drug dealers across the street, he wants us to love them and, take, and, 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 and be kind to them and show grace and mercy to them. And when they got busted several years ago, I didn't call the cops on them. Someone else did. Wasn't my fault. But we're to love them and care for them. I'm joking. They don't, they don't sell drugs anymore. But I'm to love for them and care for them and pray for them. The neighbor right across next to us, who's every time it snows, we go shovel her sidewalk in her driveway. Why? Because we're to represent Christ. We're to be an ambassador and show the love of Christ to everyone we can. You are where you live because that's where God needed you to be. He planted you there so you could be an agent of transformation in the lives of the people you live around, the people you do life with. He strategically placed you where you are in your job as an ambassador. His providence, he gave you the job you have. You are there for a greater purpose than making money or succeeding in a career. God placed you there to be representative to the people you work with. You are divinely appointed to cross their path to be an ambassador. You have a mission in your day-to-day -day life, and that is why the mundane things of life matter. That's why the boring things of life Matter. Those moments provide opportunities to be a transforming power in people's lives. When you understand your mission as an ambassador, the ordinary things of life become sacred. The haircut you get, now this is probably for you ladies, because if you're like me, when you go to get a haircut, you're in and out in like three and a half minutes. You sit down, done, next. Now some of you ladies, though, it takes like, you know, five or six hours. I don't know what y'all do. But I think they pluck out every hairstyle and then put it back. I don't know what y'all do, but it takes forever. That, that hair appointment, that's a divine appointment to be an ambassador of God. 
When you get your Manny and Petty, just a few guys, it's for you to be a, an ambassador to Jesus Christ. These are divine appointments given by God. God uses the ordinary moments of life to fulfill his extraordinary plans. The details of your life, in the details of your life, you are the salt of the earth. The example you set by how you live your life is sacred. You, re- you preserve the environment in which God has placed you in, and people recognize the difference and that it makes a change in their life. In the mundane of life, you are the light of the world. Your friendliness and your patience with the cashier is sacred. You are shining the light of God to, the, to a dark world. People take notice and they will glorify God because of you. Your relationship with your neighbors is sacred. The ordinary is sacred as you embrace your identity as an ambassador. Each moment is holy if you understand your calling. You have opportunities to represent God in every situation God has placed you in. As ambassadors, we represent Christ. But not only do we represent Christ, we represent Christ in the culture. Matthew gives us a picture of how Jesus approached the culture surrounding him. Look in Matthew chapter 9, verse number 9. It'll be on the screen if you can't turn there quick enough. And as Jesus paused, passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass... As Jesus said at meeting in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto the disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn that mean, what that meaneth, and I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. So in this story, it begins with Jesus finding Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Tax collectors were the most despised people in the Jewish culture. They were considered thieves and traitors. They were thieves because they worked for the Roman government against their own countrymen. They were considered thieves because they taxed their own people for the Roman government. And they could tax people however they felt. There was no set tax rate. Well, Rome, well, we're going to charge 17.5% tax. It's, it's whatever the tax collector thought he wanted, he would tax you. And he would always take a portion for himself and then give Rome what they needed. So they taxed the, the people at their own discretion. Jewish history tells us there were three types of tax collectors. There were the gabbai. These were the general tax collectors. They collected taxes on property. Any property you own, any houses, any farms, they collected taxes on that. Then there were the great mokies and the small mokies. They taxed people on their possessions, on their cattle, on their servants. They would tax people on their children. They would tax you on anything they felt like taxing you on. Now, the difference was the great Mokies, they would hire someone to do the collecting for them. So no one really knew who the great Mokies were. They hired men to do the work for them. The small Mokies, they did the collecting all on themselves. So the great, the Gabi and the great Mokies, they were hated, but the small Mokies were despised the most because these were the ones who you knew who they were. When you saw them coming, you knew He's coming to take my money. He could take your money anytime, anywhere. It didn't matter. He could come up to you and collect whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. 
And so people hated them. People shunned them. And Matthew, because he's sitting at the collector's booth, he was a small mogi. He was one of the most hated people in his culture. He regularly took money from people, and he was hated. And this is the type of person Jesus chose to be his disciple. When Jesus called Matthew, he got up and followed. Jesus did more than just tolerate a tax collector. He didn't go on a once-a-year missions trip to visit a tax collector. He didn't just preach to a tax collector. Jesus asked a tax collector to do life with him. He said, follow me and spend time with me. One of the biggest criticisms of Jesus from the religious crowd was that he was called a friend of sinners. He ate with them. He spent time with them. He loved them and worked among them. And the Pharisees were the exact opposite. The Pharisees took pride in the fact that they could isolate themselves from the world. And they couldn't imagine the Messiah eating with sinners. And so Jesus, after he calls Matthew, they're going to dinner. And he's eating with sinners and publicans. And he's eating with all these, these people that the Pharisees can't imagine why he would eat with them. And they, they ask his disciples, why does your master eat with such unworthy people? And Jesus hears him and he says, they that be whole... Don't need not a physician, but they that are sick. He said, I didn't come to, to fix the people that didn't need fixing. Or the, here's, here's what he really means. I didn't come to fix the people that didn't realize they needed to be fixed. I came to fix the ones that knew they were broken. I came to fix the ones that knew they were sick. The reason I am here is for them. They realize their need for me, and so I'm here to help them and to heal them. Jesus was a part of the culture. Now, he never compromised who he was. He never compromised his teachings. He was completely and still is completely sinless, but he didn't isolate himself from the people that needed him most. He loved people who were not part of his kingdom, and he longed to see them put their faith in him. Jesus sought to transform people's lives. He didn't come to change the political landscape. He didn't come to change the religious landscape or the, the political landscape or the legal system. He came to change people. The culture will change. It will fail one day, and Jesus went after the people of the culture. Here's what that means. You can't be an ambassador to the world around you if you only spend time with other Christians. Sorry about that, but you, if, you're, if you're like, I only hang out with Christians and God's people, then you're not being an ambassador. Now, I'm not saying go find your neighbor and say, hey, you want to go out and get drunk tonight? Don't do that. But hey, you want to come over and Drink a root beer tonight, have a cookout, sit by the fire. You want to hang? Just here, here's, I know it's a, a weird concept. Make friends with people that aren't in the church. Why? To bring them in the church. To go where the lost are and bring them in. Research shows that the longer we are Christians, the less time we spend with non-believers. We isolate ourselves from the world. We have built our own Christian subculture that we live in. We have the Christian equivalent of everything. We have Christian radio. We have Christian bookstores. We have Christian record labels. There are Christian fitness centers. We have Christian schools. There are Christian theme parks. There are Christian clubs. There is a Christian YouTube. It's called GodTube. And we even have Christian chicken and Chick-fil-A. We have a Christian equivalent of everything. And our soul subculture makes it easy to live safe and content in our spiritual bunker. It feels safe, but it's very dangerous. It can give you an excuse 
to disobey God. It can give you an excuse to disengage from people that God hasn't called us to engage in. It's dangerous because it will hurt the mission God has for you. It's dangerous because of the busyness that it offers. You can get so involved in church activities and Christian school activities that you never develop friendship with the lost around you. You never become a friend of sinners like Jesus did. That's not the type of Christianity Jesus had in mind when he left. When he left, he didn't say, hey, y'all gonna, gonna huddle together. Don't, don't go out and talk to anybody else. Don't go out and bring anybody else. Y'all just, y'all just huddle tight and wait for me to come back. No, he says, you're gonna go. In Matthew, he said, the highways and the hedges. You're gonna go to where the lost are and compel them to come in. How do you do that? By being an ambassador and representing God in the culture. If we were being transformed by the Holy Spirit inside of us, we would have a heart for people just like Jesus did. As an ambassador, we are to represent him in the culture for a specific period of time. An ambassador is on a mission from his country for a specific period of time. As an ambassador, you are on this planet for a predetermined amount of time, and you don't know how much it is, and then the mission's over. Once you die and open up your eyes in heaven and see Jesus Christ face to face, your mission's done. You never will have a chance again to represent Christ in the culture. Your time on earth is one shot, one opportunity to represent Christ to the people that do not know him. That should create a sense of urgency in our lives. You will not have the chance to represent him forever. Life is short. James says life is like a vapor. It's here one second and gone the next, and there's no trace of it after a while. It's very, very quick. In the book of Mark, we hear about four friends who had a sense of urgency to get their friend to Jesus. Jesus is preaching in Peter's house, and the, the house is very crowded, and people are everywhere. And these four friends had a sick friend that they knew, if we can just get him to Jesus, we could get him healed. And so they, they take him up on his bed, and they walk to the house, but the house is so crowded, they can't get in the front door. They try to get around to the windows, and it's five or six deep. They can't get to the windows. And they look and say, man, there's no way to get him to Jesus. So you know what they did? They just gave up and went home and said, hey, we tried. No, they climb up on the roof, and they carry their friend up on the roof, and they tear the roof off and lower him down right in front of Jesus. Why? Because they knew if we don't get him to Jesus now, he's got no hope. They could have gone home and said, hey, buddy, we tried. They could have bragged about how, how passionate they were. Man, we carried him all around that house all night long and just couldn't find a place to get in. We gave it our best effort, but it just didn't work. No, they were urgent in their decision to get him to Jesus. They knew they had a limited time to get what was done, so they did what they had to do. They took risk to get it done. Are you willing to break up a roof to get someone to Jesus? Living in the reality of your identity as an ambassador will call you to take risks to get it done. Are you willing and ready to speak on his behalf? You're an ambassador of Jesus. You are to represent him in this culture, but you only have a specific period of time. The mission is temporary and requires some risk. You only have one life to make an impact. The reality is you are an ambassador of Jesus. The response should be representing Jesus in the culture you live for the time that you have. Will you live as an ambassador? Let's pray. Heavenly Father.